Welcome to episode one of season two of Cypher Vision. My name is Nigel Schweitzer and I'm joined in season two as I was in season one by Francesca Lavoie. Hi Nigel, it's great to be back in season two already. Yeah, a new year, a new season. And I'm absolutely delighted that we're joined by Lucy Vorchek, who's the Chief Intellectual Property Counsel at Ocado. Welcome, Lucy. Hi, nice to see you again, Nigel. Hi, Frankie. And look, really grateful for you making the time. I know that you're a little bit busy and we'll probably go and get into some of the reasons why you're so busy, but you're a real icon for having built and developed an IP capability, which is why this episode is called Building an IP Capability. Lucy, thank you so much for joining us. And it's great to have you to kick off our season two of of the Cypher Vision podcast. I might get you to start with giving our listeners a bit of a view into your background and and your journey so far in IP. I've had quite a conventional career path from an IP attorney's perspective. Science degree at university, spent some time doing a bit of research, joined a private practice firm of attorneys and then moved to a second one, qualified as a European and UK patent attorney. But I joined the in-house team at BAE Systems just shortly after their Marconi merger. I then took a career break to have several children, but I worked all through that as a freelance consultant. Then in January 2014, was invited to go and work for Ocado for one day a month. Their official title was Translator. They had got some IP stuff, as they called it. They'd been working with some attorneys and they needed somebody to tell them what all these letters said that came from their external patent attorneys, because at that point, they had no internal IP capability at all. So from that point through to October 2016, I remained as a consultant And at some point, the general counsel, Neil Abrams, said, this is getting a bit silly. You've gone from one day a month. You're now working eight days a week. So we should probably employ you. So I was employed from October 2016 as a head of IP and was given the title chief IP counsel about this time last year. Wow, that's definitely an an interesting career history. Maybe we can focus in on Ocado for our listeners Could you tell us a bit about the Ocado business model and and how it's developed? I'm guessing for you guys and for your listeners, most of you think of Ocado as those cute little vans running around with pictures of, well, now pigs, but occasionally vegetables on them that would deliver your food once a week. Ocado started in 2000 as an online only retail company, so it's never had any shops It set up a capability in delivering shopping to people right back at the beginning of the 2000s. It had a supply chain agreement with Waitrose, so it delivered Waitrose food as well as other companies. But it was doing things that nobody had done before, and it struggled to find the technology to do what it needed to do. So they had this warehouse. They needed it to be able to pick and pack orders and get them out in one hour delivery slots. And the equipment just simply didn't exist. So they would buy equipment in from systems integrators and from companies that supplied conveyors and shuttle systems and patch them together to make them do what they wanted to do. And they were having to do more and more patching and more and more software. And they were gradually bringing more and more people in house 
when they realized, you know what, actually, we're quite good at the technology stuff, as well as being good at the delivering your baked beans. And so developed a technology business that ran alongside the retail business. Sometime in 2018, it became apparent that the main part of the company had really turned into a tech company that happened to have a grocery retail online delivery section at its side, and that other companies were willing to pay for this technology. And that's when you saw the deals starting to come out where we exclusively licensed our technology to partner companies. That Now the retail part of the company has been moved aside and is in a joint venture with Marks and Spencers known as Ocado Retail. The company used to be very full of supply chain and buyers, and now it's full of thousands of data scientists, engineers, control systems engineers, software writers who are located in multiple jurisdictions around the world. That's quite a story there. I'm putting together the pieces. So when you joined and they were talking to you about IP stuff, and now I can look at your website and two major reasons that Ocado give for their growth is is technical know-how and unparalleled IP intellectual property. So how has it been like to be part of that journey and be part of a company that's grown? I think your share price has gone up 500% in five years. When I arrived in 2014, Ocado teams were just looking at the design and development of what we now call the Ocado Smart Platform. It was a need-to-know project. Only 20 people in the company knew about it at that point. So to go from there to working for a company that has all these research development offices around the world, the IP risks have increased, the data that we're dealing with has changed, the people that we're dealing with has changed. It's been a a phenomenal learning curve for everybody, for me, definitely, for the company, absolutely, and for the people within the company to develop an IP mindset when they were used to being concerned about when the shipments of bananas were arriving. To go from that to, please don't talk about your robots, it's quite a big learning curve for the teams of people that were working within the company. So how did you do it? How did you get them to have that IP mindset? So firstly, being in the right time at the right place. Secondly, being with the sort of people who firstly were willing to trust me and to listen to me and to take what I was saying seriously. Secondly, were very supportive. And thirdly, were willing to learn and understand As soon as you've got that combination of things together, you're pushing at an open door. If you have the support of the senior management team, the senior management team understand either because they do per se or because they've been willing to learn. And once you're in that sort of position, given the culture at Ocado, people were willing to listen. I wasn't having to have any fights or arguments with everybody. There was never an issue with me saying, this is how it needs to be. Here's the reason why. And can we get on and do it? As soon as we were saying that, that would become what the position was for the company. So it could be quite agile, quite fast moving and very flexible. The challenge, probably not just for me, but for everybody that works at Ocado, is the scale of growth has been huge. So to maintain that culture on every level, not just from an IP perspective, has been the challenge. 
but we've achieved it. And I think it is because of the mindset of the people who work there. They want to work together. They want to improve things. They want to learn. And it's an all round positive, vicious circle rather than a downward spiral. I've had the pleasure of working with you since you joined Ocado and I've watched you develop. I've watched the company develop. We have a, a mantra in Cypher that the harder you work, the luckier you seem to get. You just happen to get the support and understanding of the senior executive team of Ocado, who are to a, a man, woman and child, ex-Goldman Sachs, so not necessarily an easy ride. Talk us through how you won that support and understanding. I'd like to think it's my wit, charm and good looks, but it's possibly not. Look, they knew they had an issue. And I think somewhere uh, RGC has a piece of paper that he scrawled a note across that said something like, really need to understand patents. They were aware enough to know that they needed to work with patent attorneys on some level. Where I got lucky was that the relationships that they tried to form with the patent attorneys had not been as successful as they needed them to be. So when I arrived, I had this kind of amorphous mess of IP communications and relationships that needed sorting out. And I think the luck in that was the ability to not be concerned about picking up the phone and and tackling people. And I was lucky that I came across a bunch of people who really almost relished the fact that I was willing to tackle them on it. There was never a defensiveness on either party that either of us were right or wrong. It was a genuine ability to have really good professional working relationships that meant we could work quickly we could communicate quickly, effectively with each other. There was no requirement for us to tiptoe or say things in a certain corporate fashion. I think the luck was me finding my tribe and my tribe finding me. How's your relationship changed over time with them? Quite early on, I created and engaged in relationships with people who either were interested in IP just because they happened to be interested in IP or were key to projects that were going on or were the senior leadership team whose support I knew I was going to need. I think part of the skill of being a really good patent attorney, IP lawyer, head of IP is understanding your audience. So you need to know that if you're going to be having a discussion with the CEO, There is no point going into detail of why you need certain types of claims and what the patent family history needs to be. You need to say to him, this is what I need. This is how much it's going to cost. This is why we need it. Can I get on? And if you're talking to somebody who's interested in IP, who's one of the inventors, who wants to understand how their invention is going to work, then you need to be able to have a different set of communication skills. We're all capable of it because we talk to our children differently than we talk to our boss. It's just understanding that we can do that in our professional careers as well. It's the ability to morph to different communication means depending on who you're talking to. And that then enables you to develop the relationships you need. 
we've just written a, a report at Cypher on patent risk management and communication being a key element of that around how you communicate that to the rest of the business. How has that relationship that you've developed and the way that you've communicated helped you with, with your recent litigation case in terms of getting the rest of the business up to speed? The manner in which you communicate with the different people, it's had to change. It's had to get quicker. It's just the information needs to be slightly differently honed. If we go back to the pre-litigation, there was now an understanding across the majority of the company about why IP was important, how it affected their day-to-day work. IP was not this ivory tower in a corner somewhere that didn't affect anybody's life. It was relevant to the engineers' day-to-day work, the technicians' day-to-day work, the research team's day-to-day work, the CFO's day-to-day work. There were levels of communication. So the board would receive an IP update once a month. The risk committee would receive a formal report once a month. We would supplement that with useful business intelligence information that we'd gained from using Cypher. I was lucky enough to have somebody in my team who I think is now classified as a Cypher super user. And if I ever try and take Cypher away from him, I know he will immediately resign. He was able to generate these amazing sets of data. And I frequently say to him, gosh, you know, you make me look really clever because he would produce reports that showed what our competitors were doing, how many patents they were filing, where they were filing them, what litigation was happening, who was suing who. And all of this information When you're in the detail of it as an IP attorney, it's great and you can draw all sorts of conclusions. Sometimes those conclusions are really useful to the senior team and sometimes they're really useful to the engineers. So it's useful to the senior team, let's say once every three months, to be able to say, in my board report, we've noticed that this company seems to be pivoting in that direction or there seem to be a lot of cases being filed in this particular technological area. To be able to give that background information to the company so that their business strategy was aware of perhaps more of a global IP movement. When we go to the engineers and the research teams, well, we're developing a new bot. Is there anything I need to worry about? And we can access this great pool of information from both a freedom to operate perspective, but also a data mining perspective. Has somebody come across this problem before? How can we make bots lighter, cheaper? What technologies are out there that we can access? As well as making sure that we're doing our R&D in a safe fashion. Over the time, we developed this mindset and this set of tools for people to come and talk to us and get information from us. As I grew the IP team at Ocado, I've been able to embed my IP attorneys into the engineering functions. So whilst we are patent attorneys and we sit in an IP department within legal, my teams are represented on all the senior engineering teams and the product streams in the company so that we created a team who the engineers are quite happy to communicate with. They have got to know the individuals and the people. They trust us and we're accessible to them. All of those things together meant that when the litigation happened, we were in a position to be able to 
understand what we needed to do as an IP team. And immediately, the people that we worked with understood the significance of the issue, how they needed to behave and what they needed to do and how they needed to help us. The communications and the build up to the litigation had set in train processes that meant, in my view, we've been able to handle it effectively and without, importantly, interrupting the business as usual. And for obvious reasons, we don't want to go and probe into the litigation, but one of the things which we've observed from the outside is that you get a lot of investor and other scrutiny. What's it like dealing with that new audience? In certain respects, it's a little bit like going back to the beginning. I've got very used to dealing with my internal Ocado team who know how I think, who know what I mean. And so communications can be clean and agile and fast and effective. The litigation is a very complicated situation. It's big. Multiple jurisdictions, multiple patents, different patents in different jurisdictions, multiple different types of rights, utility models as well. We've got an antitrust claim thrown in there for free. It's difficult for the hardened IP professional to keep up with it. So you can't expect investors, analysts, bankers to be able to walk into these conversations and just go, oh, yes, I know what she's talking about when she says EPO opposition. There has had to be a learning curve for our internal investor relations team and our internal comms team as well. But what has struck me is how much work I have had to do in communicating these incredibly complicated positions with people who shouldn't be expected to understand IP in anywhere near the detail required to understand them. It's a bit like mastermind. At any time, I could receive four questions from an investor that sometimes the premise of the question is not correct. Sometimes you have to spend some time explaining why the question they're asking is not really the question that they want to ask, but you think that this is the question that they want to ask. So here's the answer. It's a different type of communication. And it goes back to my point about needing to be able to communicate with lots of different people on lots of different levels. There's a book I'm reading at the moment called Surrounded by Idiots. And it's not about being surrounded by idiots. It's effectively about misunderstanding your audience and not understanding that different people come from different backgrounds. And I I have to say, Lucy, what you say is very powerful. You're never blaming any of these different audiences for not understanding. You're adapting and seem to be finding their language. Would that be right? Yes, you're exactly right. Fundamentally, as an IP professional in a company like Ocado, I'm the one that knows IP. I'm the expert. I'm in charge of the IP. Of course, I should understand it to a horrifically ridiculous level. Why should anybody else in the company, internal, external, comms, engineers, CEO, why should they understand it to that level? Just like when I'm speaking to our CFO, he doesn't expect me, or he probably does now, but he didn't used to expect me to understand EBITDA and corporate accounting and tax. I'm not the expert in that. He's the expert in that. So we don't get a special get out of jail free card because we're IP professionals. We're the experts. 
it's our job to take a complicated subject and be able to give the people around us the information they need to be able to perform effectively. I just want to ask you what you think the future holds. For Ocado, you've got a new product launch that's coming, but also what do you think the future holds for the IP professional? For Ocado, whilst it is a new product launch, this is just one of another 100 product launches that are coming because they just don't stand still. That's the nature of Ocado. They're incredibly disruptive from an innovation perspective. Our CEO, Tim Steiner, has been quoted quite recently as saying, if you stand still, you die, or words to that effect. He knows that if we don't keep moving, we will become obsolete. From a Cardo perspective, I kind of want to say more of the same, but I also know it won't be the same. It will be different. The future from an IP perspective and from an engineering perspective at Ocado is very exciting. From an IP professional perspective, I'd like to think that there are going to be more IP people who function in roles either like mine or like the teams that I work with, that we become a bit more hybrid. In my 25 years of being an IP attorney, the profession has moved from people sitting in offices with doors shut, with secretaries outside, beavering away on their own and never speaking to anybody, into a much more communicative and accessible team of people to work with. I want it to keep going. I think we are still the experts in the IP field, but I feel a little bit evangelistic about it. I think it's going to be really important for more and more people to understand more and more about IP. And therefore, as the experts in the field, we need to get really good at communicating the message, communicating the information and being on board with the people that we work with in making sure they're getting the best out of their IP, whether we've created it for them, whether we're in-house with them or whether we're their external attorneys. Lucy, I, I love our conversations and I've enjoyed watching Ocado and you develop. We do have to end the episode with a cipher vision, a takeaway message that you would give to our listeners. How would you sum it all up? Love IP. Don't ever let it become something you don't enjoy. A lot of the time, from an IP professional perspective, we can make that joy infectious with the people we work with. And the more people that love and understand IP, the better our jobs are going to get from a day-to-day basis all the way through our professional careers. In the fast-moving world of technology, organisations grow at an exponential rate. And there's no better example of that today than Ocado. While executives know that intellectual property is important, this is often more of a a gut feeling than understanding. IP professionals such as Lucy have successfully taken on the challenge of building an IP capability using imagination, versatility, and empathy. In order to succeed, you can never take your eye off your primary objective, which is to make a difference to the business. That's not the same as being a solid... IP practitioner. Thank you, Lucy, for your time and for the conversation. My pleasure, Nigel. Thank you for tuning into the Cypher Vision podcast series. Please continue the conversation on social using hashtag Cypher Vision and share your thoughts about today's episode on building an IP capability. <laughs>